0: Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you very much for joining us as we open God's Word to learn how to serve and glorify Him. I'm excited about the lesson you're about to hear. It's one of those lessons where we look at our lives and where we live. Specifically, we're going to look at a mother's life and where she lives. A mother's love. The amazing pictures that brings to our mind. But Do those pictures fully describe how a mother is supposed to live? I believe Paul has provided a great summary for what a mother's love really needs to look like. We're going to be examining the passage that does that, so I encourage you to open your Bible as we learn about a mother's love. A mother's love. What kind of pictures does that bring to our mind? When we think about a mother's love, we think about bandaged knees, and kissed Bobos. We think about unconditional affection and tenderness. We think about late-night talks and emotional protection. We've all seen movies that highlight a mother's love. We've read stories. We've heard poems and sang songs. We've even told jokes about that guy who had the face that only a mother could love. And I know, Miss Evelyn, that you know about having that kind of son. A mother's love. All of these kinds of pictures describe what a mother's love is. In fact, these very pictures are used in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul referred to these kinds of pictures about a mother's love, saying, but we prove to be gentle among you. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. But as we consider these pictures of a mother's love, do they fully describe what a mother's love ought to be? As with every discussion about every kind of love, the thing that we have to recognize is that as we look at love, we need not to talk so much about what it feels like, but what it looks like. How it behaves. How it acts. Paul, I believe, in one passage, summarizes what a mother's love ought to look like. How it ought to behave we can find that passage in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, the Scripture there, as Paul was teaching Titus to teach the older women to encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the Word of God will not be dishonored. This is what a mother's love should look like. And I want us to examine this passage and learn exactly how mothers ought to live in their families and the role that you have, the great God-given role that you've been provided in our families. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer? Our great God and Father in heaven, we are humbled by your grace and by your mercy. We're so thankful for Your Son whose death has washed our sins away. We're thankful for Your plan that has brought us together here as a congregation that allows us to worship You and to study Your Word and to honor and glorify You. We pray, Father, that the glory be Yours. We do not want any of it. We want to glorify and honor and praise You because You are worthy. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the dominion and the glory forever and ever. And Father, we pray that all that we do glorifies You. We're thankful today, Father, as our nation has set aside a day to honor mothers, we're reminded of the great benefit and the great institution of the family that You began on that sixth day of creation. As You created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and as You commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Father, we're thankful not only for the plan of the church, which provides the teaching which upholds Your gospel for all the world to see. But we're thankful for the institution of the family that You've given us that provides that emotional and physical security and sustenance and comfort. And today we're remembering and thankful for the mothers and for their role in the family that You have established through Your Word. Father, we pray that, that we will hold up our mothers and help them and strengthen them because their job is not easy. We often take them for granted. And we pray that You will help us to lift them up and to honor them not just today, but every day of our lives, remembering what they've done for us and for our children. We pray that You would strengthen them, that in their role as mothers, that they will glorify and honor You. That there will be no opportunity for the devil to find a reproach or to offer a reproach. Father, we pray that our families will be strengthened And that the families and the church can unite to honor and glorify You in this world. That everything we do will be pleasing to You. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. As we take a look at a mother's love, Paul points out that if a mother is going to be the kind of mother she ought to be, the very first thing she has to do is be the kind of wife that she's going to be. Interestingly, as Paul lists this description of a mother's love, he bookends it talking about her relationship with the husband. He says that she needs to love her husband and says that she needs to be subject to her husband. The concept of subjection and submission are probably one of the most repeated concepts of the mother's role in the family throughout the New Testament. You can look in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul said, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then in verse 24, But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, Paul said, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, Peter wrote, "...in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives." And then in verse 5 of 1 Peter 3, "...for in this way in former times the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands." This concept of submission does not mean that the husband is given the right as tyrant in the home, nor does it mean that the wife is to be a doormat. What it demonstrates is that a mother's love recognizes that the father is the head of the home, and the mother is to submit to his direction and his guidance for the family. The only exception being is if his direction and guidance directly opposes the direction and guidance of God. But in addition to being subject to her husband, Paul pointed out that she's supposed to love her husband. Now, I realize, I'm calling the sermon a mother's love. It seems a little bit circular. A mother's love is that she loves her husband. Well, it seems that way because of our English translation. Interestingly, the term here for love is not the term that we most often think of. We most often think when we see love, we think agape, right? We've heard all kinds of sermons about that, but that's not this word. This word here is actually a form of the word phylos. And that word means... And so the older women are encouraged to teach the younger women to be friends with their husband. Mothers, your job is not to resent your husband. Your job is not to kick him when he's down. Your job is not to be embittered towards him. Your job is not to turn the kids against him. Your job is to be his friend, to help him. To support him. To strengthen him. Perhaps the greatest description of being a friend to your husband is found in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 12. When the proverbialist spoke about the worthy woman and said, She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's being a friend to your husband. Allowing him to open up and talk to you and talking to him, opening up to him. I think it's reasonable and right to say, that spouses really ought to be the very best of friends. Because that's exactly what Paul teaches here. A mother's love means being a friend to her husband. Then he goes on and points out that the mother is supposed to love her children. Again, this term is a form of the word phylos, meaning friend. This passage when the younger women are taught to love their children is not referring to that natural affection that just about all mothers have for their children. Have you ever heard or have you ever said, I love my kids, but sometimes I just can't stand them. Anybody know that feeling? Sometimes I just don't like them. Well, that liking them is this love. That's what this is talking about. It's talking about being that friend to your child. And being a friend to your child means that you're not wanting to get away from them. You're wanting to be with them. Being a friend to your child means that you take care of them and help them and provide the best for them, what they need, even when they're not doing what is best for you. Being that friend to your children means you look past their immaturity, their foolishness, and their mistakes and see somebody who needs your warmth and affection to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Being a friend to your child means that you have that ear to listen, that shoulder to cry on, that encouraging word that encourages them in godly endeavors. Being a friend to your children means you train them up to be good citizens in our nation and in the nation of God, in His kingdom. That's being a friend to your child. But there's something else we need to recognize about being this friend to your child. Being this friend to your child does not mean that the child gets to do whatever they want. Friends hold friends accountable. Friends don't let friends disobey God. And when the friend is a mother, the friend needs to realize that there is also the rule and role for discipline. Do you remember Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6? Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Mothers, as friends of your children... That doesn't mean that you let them do whatever they want, that you let them go to whatever church they want, that you let them, oh, I've heard have their beer party at your house because, boy, we don't want them driving drunk. And we know they're going to do it anyway. Being a friend to your child means disciplining them. Being a friend to your child means providing the faithful wounds that hold them accountable to God's will so that you can raise them up. And know your children will not always realize that you're being their friend. But you are. And God realizes Paul goes on as he talks about the mother's love and says that the mother's love must be based in sensibility. I guess it's easy for all of us to be governed by emotionalism, to fly by the seat of our pants, to do just whatever comes naturally, whatever... Feels right. That seems to be what governs our society today. But Paul points out that a mother's love is governed by sensibility, by doing what is sensible, what is reasonable, what is sound. The term here has the idea of being sound and sober-minded. Now, I recognize that some people have just amazing instincts. And I realize, ladies, that you have something that just mystifies us men called a woman's intuition. It seems like a sixth sense sometimes, and I recognize that. However, even with all that, Paul points out that what governs your role in the family as a mother is not to be fear or emotionalism or envy of others. It's to be a sound judgment and a sound mind and sensibility. Look at Proverbs 31. I believe there there are so many things in the Proverbs 31 woman. An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. An excellent mother who can find for her worth is far above jewels. And listen to how many things within this text deal with being sensible and using a sound mind and judgment and wisdom. There in verse 13, she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands into life. She's like merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 25, strength and dignity are are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Look at all of this. Do you see what it's talking about here? It's talking about planning. It's talking about preparing. It's talking about managing. It's talking about considering. It's talking about wisdom. And whether it's dealing with clothing or children or managing an investment in some land or talking about being, doing good works to others, notice that it's all about wisdom and consideration and planning. It's based in sound judgment and reason and sensibility. Not emotionalism, fear, or envy. A mother's love is to be sensible. Further, a mother's love is to be pure. Perhaps this teaching is most needed today. As it seems that we are just constantly and continually in our society increasing the impurity around us. And I realize as we talk about morality and modesty and mental purity that we often point the finger at the men and all the things that we do wrong and we do a lot of things and guys, this doesn't let us off the hook. But we need to remember this. For every David, there's also a Bathsheba. I remember my friend Max was talking about every time he watches a movie with his wife and somebody commits infidelity, she always says, why do men do that? And he's learned not to point out to her there was also a woman doing that. For every David, there's a Bathsheba. For every man who lusts after an immodestly clad woman, there is the immodestly clad woman. And the love of a mother must be based in purity. Sisters, I understand that as you were growing up, you envisioned... A knight in shining armor on a white charger, rushing in and carrying you off, sweeping you off your feet and just ravishing you with His love and His devotion. And then you said, I do. And now you're sitting next to that man who belches and sweats and stinks, who stays at work too long, who doesn't discipline the kids the way you want him to. He doesn't listen to you. He just tries to fix you. And most of the time, he takes advantage of you. And frankly, he's gained so much weight, he can't fit in that armor anymore. And you know what's sad is the television and the movies and romance novels continue to fill our heads with these kind of thoughts about that perfect man that's out there who would really love us and be our knight in shining armor. And regrettably, too many mothers today begin to look at neighbors and co-workers and turn from their purity thinking they found their knight in shining armor. Mothers, your love is to be governed by purity. Peter talks about the purity that you need to have in 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 2, as he talks about even disobedient husbands being brought to the Lord by the behavior of their wives. He says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 2, as they observe your chaste or pure and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. If you're going to be the pure mother that you need to be, it's got to start in the heart with the gentle and quiet spirit, with the purity and the respectful behavior, the discreet behavior. It says, I'm just going to always do what God wants. No matter what that guy sitting next to you is doing. Because even if he's disobedient to the Word, when you act in this way, you might bring Him to the Lord. And when you get the heart pure, The dress, the actions and the behavior, the speech, will follow. Paul says a mother's love is to be governed by purity. He further says that a mother's love means being a worker at home. This is an interesting passage, and it's been central in the debate regarding whether or not a, a wife is allowed to have a job outside the home. But And a lot of people have used this to mean that housework is woman's work. But very interestingly, according to Strong's lexicon, this word for workers at home does not refer to homework as we most often think about it. This actually literally means a house guard. In other words, a mother's love is most demonstrated by being the guard of the home. Guarding that sanctity of the home your role and responsibility given by God in the home is to be the one that provides that protective covering, the one that monitors what's going on and what takes place and what's allowed into your home and make sure that that home is that safe haven it needs to be so that when you, your kids, and your husband gather there, it's a safe place from all the wickedness that's out in the world. So often as we gather here, We talk about being able to come in here away from the wickedness of the world and the safe haven that it provides here. And that's what this needs to be as well. But every single one of us needs to have one of those safe havens in the place where we live. And mothers, your job is to provide that safety. That's going to entail everything from monitoring, television, movies, internet usage being the one who manages things that provides for that home environment of safety and purity. That's the role that God has given you, the important and amazing role. And one thing that we need to highlight here, in dealing with this issue of being the house guard, the worker at home, we contrast this with what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 11. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 11, as Paul was talking about churches putting widows on the list, dealing with providing them with all their physical and material needs in exchange for them devoting themselves to the prayer and the work of the church. It says, but refuse in 1 Timothy five eleven, but refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, Thus incurring condemnation because they've set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. The mother is the house guard, is the housekeeper, is the house worker. The keeper of the home is not idle and is not busy about protecting everybody else's home but busy taking care of her own home and keeping it protected and sanctified. Again in Proverbs chapter 31. We're not going to read all of that, but read that sometime and just look at how much of that is about guarding and protecting the home. But I want you to notice Proverbs 31 and verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. There is the worker in the home the house guard, the home guard. And then, the mother is to be kind. The word translated here means good, upright, righteous. I think it's probably a decent translation to say kind, because I think it's dealing not just with, with goodness, but with goodness in relationship to others, which is kindness. Doing what's good to others, being kind to them. She should be kind to her husband. We've already read Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 12. She does good to her husband all the days of her life, but also kind to her children. There again in Proverbs chapter 31. In Proverbs chapter 31, as it talked about the wisdom that she has constantly in her mouth. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Not only behaving with kindness, but talking with kindness. And boy, I know that's tough sometimes. Talking with kindness to husbands like us and to kids like ours. But that teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Ephesians chapter four and verse twenty eight. Ephesians chapter four and verse twenty excuse me, twenty nine. Ephesians 4.29 Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Your role, mothers, in your speech is goodness and kindness, saying those things that build up, not those things that tear down. That's a mother's love in action. And mothers, let me remind you of Galatians chapter 6. And verse 9. Because as your life is going to be bound up in doing good to your husbands and to your children, we don't always notice it and we don't always appreciate it. And so let me encourage you to remember this. Do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. Perhaps you won't reap from us husbands and children because we forget and we neglect and we're sinful and sometimes we're selfish. But when you sow the goodness of a mother's love, you will reap God's rewards because you don't go unnoticed by God. Do not grow weary in well doing. As Paul concluded his look at a mother's love, he described why it was so important. He said that when a mother is loving as she ought, the Word of God will not be dishonored. When a mother is loving as he is described here, God's Word is honored because God's Word is followed. God is honored because God's will is followed. In addition to that, sisters, the people who see you in action will be honoring God as they see Jesus Christ living through you. But here, most importantly, the ones you raise will honor God because that's what you've taught them to do. This is so important. Mothers, we thank you for all that you do. And we encourage you to excel still more so that God and His Word may be honored through you and through your families. Aren't mothers amazing? And what a humongous job they have in our homes and our families. Let's remember to honor them and thank them and give them the appreciation that is their due for all that they have to do in our homes and families. Let's remember what we learned from Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. A mother must Love and be subject to her husband. A mother must love her children, being friends with them. A mother must be sensible, pure, a worker and guardian at home, kind. She must do all this so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Mothers, you're doing a great job. We encourage you to excel still more, to grow in a mother's love. Perhaps you were given this lesson by a friend. If so, let me encourage you to go to our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there that you're free to download in audio and outline format. You can get those and use them in whatever way you believe will glorify God and help people draw closer to Him. Perhaps you have a question about the family, about someone's role in the family. Perhaps you have a question about God's family and what God can do for you if you become a part of His family. Whatever the question, let me encourage you to contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you can contact us through our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.